Maternal health is vital to a rural community's well-being, especially labor and delivery care. As OB units close all over the country, the rural OBs that remain face growing challenges to keep their doors open. So, how do rural hospitals continue to provide high-quality maternity care in today's environment? With commitment to core values, increased healthcare quality, and a hospital staff that's passionate about maternal health. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to episode 136 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Chief Communications Officer. Rachel, today we are talking about a very important experience. It's your personal experience, in fact, mm-hmm. here right at Hillsdale Hospital with our birthing center. Um, but today we also are going to focus on that, but we also have another guest joining us, someone very special to our hospital. Mm-hmm. And she has years of experience working in our obstetrics unit and now leading that unit of caregivers and nurses and doing a phenomenal job that resulted in some amazing care that you received that I want you to share about because we're facing a major issue across this country, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute. That's right. We are talking with someone who dedicates a lot of time and heart to our birthing services here at Hillsdale Hospital. Our guest today is Hillary Zimmerman, Hillsdale Hospital's clinical nurse manager of labor and delivery. Welcome to Rural Health Rising, Hillary. Thank you guys for having me. So to start, Hillary, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work here at Hillsdale Hospital. Of course. So I was born here at Hillsdale Hospital, actually. Oh, wow. I did um, not know that. I yeah. did not either. Wow. 31 years ago. Oh, come on. <laughs> More like 23. Yeah. Come yeah, on. I, I'll take it. Okay. Um, so I was born and raised here. I, I was actually raised just outside of town in little old Osseo, Michigan. Oh, my goodness. If you blink, you'll miss yeah, it. You, yeah. <laughs> they have one stop sign, I yeah, think. Not even a light. <laughs> no, no, no lights. Light. One no light. little... Yeah. Little post office That's there. great. Um, so, yeah, I met my husband here locally shortly after graduating high school, and together we have four little ones, ranging from seven years old to 10 months old now. Um, and obstetrics and gynecology has always honestly been an interest of mine. So after graduating high school, um, I started school at Hillsdale um, College thinking that I actually wanted to be an OBGYN. Really? Yes. And then after being in my sister Chelsea's labor and delivery of my nephew and seeing the nurse's role, the doctor's role, I quickly found that my passion was actually at the bedside with That's what awesome. the nurse was doing. Wow. Did not realize that either. What a journey. Yeah. So I switched career paths, went to Siena Heights University over in Adrian, Michigan, and graduated with my Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. And became a registered nurse in 2015. And Hillsdale Hospital has been my home ever since. So your only home. And where did you start? Did you start right in L&D? I did. I started. Which was very unusual, right? Because normally you go to right. MedSearch. Yes. So how did I let that one go through? Huh? <laughs> You're very trusting, <laughs> oh, JJ. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> so I did a little stent up on joint replacement yeah. and then quickly ran downstairs. Ran down to OB. And you've had a passion and love for it ever since. Ever since. And appointed manager when? 2021, yeah. so just after COVID, um, the opportunity came up and I was kind of pushed out of my comfort zone and so glad that I yeah. became the nurse manager. You've I've, done such a wonderful job. Well, thank you have. Yeah. You really thank have. You. Transformed that unit. We're very proud of you and the work no, that you've you. done. Definitely stepped up to the plate and uh, my goodness, managing COVID, uh, yourself having a baby <laughs> uh, and facing the largest 
the largest shortfall of nurses that our country has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you battled all three of those things yes. with grace and with dignity. And I and I do reflect talking to you about six months ago and saying, Hillary, out of all the managers that come into my office, I could say, Hillary, you've lost a million dollars and your staff is is non-existent. And you always look and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I gave you that compliment. Remember that? You did. You because did. in fact, you're always just, you always roll with it. So we appreciate that out of you. Um, I think the next question is a question we ask everyone is really going to get to the heart of why you do what you do. And we start this with every episode uh, of our podcast, which is really an opportunity for us to get to know our guests better and for our listeners to get to know you as well. And we want to know what motivates you. You know, what is your why in life? What gets you up out of bed in the morning to do the things that you do beside you know, a 10 year, 10 month old crying, but what are the, what are the motivating factors for you when you started in 2015 to today? That is the why for healthcare. So being a nurse, obviously there's dedication, there's a caring nature. You could go on and on about those types of things, but Hillsdale is my home. Um, It's where I was born and raised, like I said. So being a part of the community and being a part of the reason that it flourishes is mm-hmm. a huge why. Mm-hmm. I get to wake up every day and come to work and be a part of someone else's yeah. life and be a part of a positive experience in their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what a, motivates me? Yeah. Um, I have three daughters. So when you change your perspective and you come into labor and delivery and you look at our patients and our moms as being a daughter, they're someone else's daughter. Um and they've come to you and they've put their full trust in your care. Mm-hmm. That's super motivating. Mm-hmm. It's motivating to provide that the best experience possible to them. We only have 24, 48 hours with them. So you only mm-hmm. have about 24, maybe 48 hours with a patient during one of the most monumental experiences of their life. Mm-hmm. So being able to use my personal experiences, my professional experiences, and shape the care that I provide and assist my staff in teaching them how to mm-hmm. give the best possible care that mm-hmm. they can um, in watching our patients succeed in life and have the best outcomes. That, that's really what motivates me every day to keep doing what I do. Mm-hmm. Your unit mm-hmm. has been described as a country club uh, <laughs> of obstetrics and really just this concierge type medicine. Rachel will talk more about that today as we interview her about her experiences, because I think it's important. Um, you know, what we face across this country, and we're going to get into it, is so many closures. But, you know, the work that you've done uh, each and every day has been very evident in the success of that unit and of the satisfaction of our patients. You know, Thank I you. always get the comment cards. It's rare. I think I sent you one last week. It's probably my first, you know, we didn't like out of thousands that are all we love, we love, we love. And so that's that's saying a lot in terms of the work that you're doing. So keep up the great work. Thank you. We have some nurses that truly, we truly care about what we do. I agree with that. So, Hillary, tell us about Hillsdale Hospital's Bediaco Birthing Center. What makes it so special? Because it really is special and unique. And before I started working here, when I heard that there was a new unit that had been built relatively recently at a rural hospital, when I was interviewing for this job, I was like, wow, that's impressive. Are they serious? <laughs> that really happened? Because that's the opposite mm-hmm. of what's usually mm-hmm. happening these days and has been for a while now. So tell us um, about it. What, what makes it so special? Yeah. So I honestly, I could go on and on. I'll keep it short. But we were, um, our wing of the hospital was built in 2013 and it is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, we have eight private rooms. Our labor and delivery rooms all have their own jetted whirlpool tub, which is pretty unique, um, even with the surrounding hospitals. 
Um, and we offer everything, honestly, a patient could think of. Intermittent monitoring. We have birthing balls, peanut balls, squat bars. Um, mm-hmm. We offer patients to bring in music therapy, aromatherapy. Um, doula care is increasing in our community. We welcome doulas to the unit. We provide intervention-free, unmedicated deliveries all the time with anesthesia being at our fingertips when a mom does want that. I'm raising my hand that everyone mm-hmm. listening can't Same. see, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no shame here. <laughs> um, but what really sets us apart is after Dr. Bediaco retired um, last year, um, our practice quick quickly grew. So now we have four providers. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a rural community with the ability to provide the community with four providers, two of them being female, um, who were raised right here local and have mm-hmm. a strong passion for the community that they grew up in, as well as a amazing certified nurse midwife. Um, it's just unheard of mm-hmm. to have all of that in our small community. Right. And what about your team um, from, you know, a nursing perspective? They're the best. I'm biased, obviously, <laughs> because I had such a great experience with them, which we'll get to, but they're constantly learning and growing. I mean, you guys aren't just like going through the motions and kind of, we're good at what we do, so we're mm-hmm. just going to do our thing. I mean, you're always improving. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So every one of our nurses, they do. They have a very strong desire to be the best at what they do. We're a specialty unit. There mm-hmm. is something to learn every single day. Someone who's worked there for 20 years doesn't know it all. So mm-hmm. our nurses really do take it upon themselves to find education, to go to seminars, to bring back that education and share it with us. So um, a lot of the nurses this last year attended seminars across the state, including spinning babies. Um, they've become doula certified. Mm-hmm. Most of our nurses are. And certified lactation consultants. So now we provide lactation services on every shift all week Mm -hmm. long, whereas before we only had one nurse that did that. So they're constantly looking for ways to improve their care. So Rachel, uh, you recently gave birth to your second born son Mm -hmm. in our birthing center. But uh, Rachel, you live over an hour outside of Hillsdale. Mm-hmm. And uh, your first delivery, you lived an hour and a half, I believe. Uh, well, I lived an hour away, but I delivered, delivered. in the town yeah. an hour and a half. Yep. Okay. So what made you choose to deliver here? Wasn't it just out of obligation because you work here? No. And there uh, is a hospital five minutes from my house. So I live in a rural town north of Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I'm still in Indiana. Um, and they have, well, had a birthing center there. We'll get to that. Um, but a lot of people were asking me, wait, you're going to drive an hour? I mean, people here, mm-hmm. when I was saying that I was going to, even you, JJ, when I first told you I was going to deliver here, you were yeah. like, wait, what? And yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, you think I'm going anywhere else? Like, we have the Ritz Carlton of birthing centers over yeah. here. Um, and for me, it was about the experience that I knew I would have here. And, and I will say, I have no complaints about my experience when I had my older son in Fort Wayne. But it's just not the same when it is the team you know and the people you know and the Whirlpool tubs. Okay, They're wonderful. Yeah. That was a big selling point, I have to say. So that wasn't down um, where you had your first delivery? Oh, no. Uh-uh. The, I mean, the rooms were smaller. The I mean, the staff was very nice. They they were fine. Uh, fine sounds bad. Like I said, I have no complaints, but I can. there is a significant difference, difference. in how much better 
this experience was from start to finish, even from, you know, the office and all the appointments and yeah. things during my pregnancy. Um, had some gestational hypertension, which was fun. So doing a lot of stress tests over in the birthing center there toward the end. Um, and so that whole experience was much more positive. And thank goodness that I did because the birthing unit, the OB unit at the rural hospital five minutes from my house, that unit closed in September. Yeah, you I wouldn't have Tommy delivered in there. October. Yeah, you would not have delivered yes, there. So I would have been like, okay, now what am I going to do? Yeah. I guess I'm going to go back down to Fort Wayne. Right. Um, so it... It, for me, it Where was just about— Where the care was okay, but the, the experience was subpar. Yeah. I mean, it just was not—I wasn't um, blown away, but I also wasn't necessarily even impressed. Right. So let's talk about that. Right. Let's talk about your experience, because I had to become part of your experience, <laughs> because my wife is a labor and delivery nurse. Yes. And that day, my wife worked— 18 to 20, 20 hours. She did. Maybe it was a 20 hour She's day. She's amazing. Every 20 minutes after midnight, I'm like, what is going on? You went in at 7 a.m. this morning. Is everything okay? What's, yeah. I'm here with Rachel. I'm here with Rachel. Can't say much because I yeah. knew you were here. Right. And she says, I just, I'm not going to tell you, but I'm here with her. Just need to be with her. Mm -hmm. And she didn't tell me. In fact, I had to come back and you had to tell me. And then I went home and said, all right, now you're allowed to tell me because she just told yeah, me. Yeah, right. But at the end of the day, you had an experience and that experience took a bit of an unexpected turn in your delivery. And, mm -hmm. you know, let's relate a little bit of that experience, okay? So yeah. number one, I want to know about the experience. And then number two, the turn of events that occurred and how it was managed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a very positive experience all around, uh, despite what occurred um, shortly after Tommy was born. But uh, yes, Tressa was there with me. She was there at seven that morning. I'd come in at nine o'clock the night before because I was having some high blood pressure that wouldn't go down. And when I called the unit about it, I was like, I, Dr. Ellis, who's our pediatrician and also our medical chief of staff, answered the phone and I was like, well, I also just, it was like, got out of the shower and maybe I took too hot of a shower. And she's like, Rachel, just come in. And I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> I never want to be the one who's like overreacting to anything. And she's like, no, come in. You're supposed to be here at six o'clock tomorrow morning for an induction. Just come in now. Um, so I came in that night and um, then things were progressing pretty well, better than they were when I had John, because that took like way longer. I think it was 42 hours from the start uh, or from the time I got to the hospital to the time he was born. Um, and so it wasn't until 1115 on the next night um, that Tommy was born. And then shortly after that, well, and here's the funny thing. During the delivery process, the pushing phase, right? So Dr. Odell is in there. Tressa's in there. Paige, one of my other nurses, was in there. Sam was kind of in and out. Um, I started talking to Dr. Odell about, I was like, now, what, I hear people all the time talking about having a traumatic delivery. How often is that just based on, mm -hmm. like, expectations versus an actual medical event? And then, like, within 10 minutes, I am having a severe hemorrhage. So there's a, just a little bit of, uh, you know, comedic mm -hmm. irony in that, mm -hmm. um, just being how I am, being like, tell me about this. Is this legit? Right, you know? Right. And then it's like, well, let's show you, Rachel. You know? <laughs> Not her, but, like, you know. The experience. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so um, that was scary. I mean, I remember... Well, see, I say that was scary. It wasn't until well after the fact that I really realized what had happened because in the moment they just put Tommy on my chest. And so I'm just like, you know, basking in the love of this new baby. But I start feeling so tired mm -hmm. and I'm like, God, I feel like I'm going to fall asleep. And in my head, I'm thinking, but I probably shouldn't be falling asleep right now. And I, I you know, kind of like you think of when someone has a concussion, you don't want them to fall asleep. I think that's what 
was like triggering that thought process for me that I was like, I have to stay awake. I need to stay awake. Why am I falling asleep? Like to the point that I was like trying to keep my eyes open and would like close them and like open my eyes again. Um, And then after kind of everything was said and done, um, I remember at one point I just, and Tressa was still in the room. I think Dr. Odell was still in the room and I just like started sobbing and I didn't really know why I couldn't like control my emotions and because when John was born I didn't cry a bunch after I didn't cry at my wedding like I'm a crier but not in the big moments which yeah. is weird um you but, did cry when I brought you a sandwich that you didn't want so you're right it's not the big things it's not right, the big it's things the it's things. a little thing yeah the big things I'm right. like what? so you start yeah. crying at the big thing and something's up right right and so um you know and I knew something had not gone normally because I remember I think it was Dr. Odell who said, that's a very large placenta. And I remember her saying, send that to pathology. I didn't really know what that meant or why. Um, And then they were kind of massaging my uterus. That was not stopping the bleeding, pushing medication. That wasn't stopping the bleeding. Um, And so finally they used a very cool device that I think has only been on the market for like a year. We just got them. And we had just only had it for, what, six months Mm -hmm. or less than that, um, called a Jada that basically, Hillary, tell me if I'm explaining this wrong. Should probably let her it, explain it. Yeah. Why don't you explain Please. it? Tell us no, what the fine. Jada is. But that us. was what kind of finally fixed you the issue. You tell us what it is. Yeah. So yeah. the Jada, it's like a it's a catheter in, you know, easy terms. It'll go inside your uterus and we um, have constant pressure to keep your uterus as clenched as it can be to mm-hmm. stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Because normally with massage, your uterus would know to do that. But in this so instance, previous to this device, you'd have to use hand technique. Hand, yep. And mm-hmm. um, so this is certainly another example of what Hillsville Hospital is doing in technology right? to keep our right. patients safeguarded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was what finally stopped the bleeding. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, you know, I knew <laughs> the next morning, I think what for, what really made me realize like, oh, that was a bigger deal than I think I thought. So I guess that's my question to you. So yeah. you went home the next day. Okay. No, I went home two days later. Two days later. Yeah. So let's say you go home two days later. You've had the time to reflect upon what really just happened. I think you ask a lot of questions about that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're having dialogue with realizing post, post your right. delivery, that wasn't right. How did that get communicated to you where you knew that there was potentially urgency? So, you know, Tressa and Dr. Adele had their game faces on obviously, and page two when all this was happening. Um, and even when I started crying afterward, Dr. Odell was like, you're okay, Rachel. It's okay. You're all, we, we've taken care of you. You're good. Like really reassuring me, even though I still didn't really realize that what I was so emotional about, you know, not realizing the gravity of the situation. Um, but the next morning, Dr. Ellis, when she came in after having seen Tommy in the nursery, she was like, well, Tommy is just beautiful. He's perfect. You're the problem child I heard. And I was like, yeah, supposedly. I don't, you know, fully understand it yet, but yeah. Um, and so then once I was being discharged and Hillary was walking with me as I was walking out and my husband was kind of a few steps ahead with Tommy and I looked at Hillary and I said, Hillary, I need you to give it to me straight. Like, how bad was that? And she was like, it was pretty bad. Yeah. And that's what kind of told me like, mm-hmm. okay, that. They managed it. Yeah, exactly. And with so. With no fear or no fright for you. Yeah. As if we have it. Right, right. And so the way I kind of have described it, because, you know, clinically all number of things could have happened, but at the very least, the team prevented an emergency hysterectomy, but most likely saved my life. Is that accurate, Hillary, to say that? Because I don't want to seem like I'm trying to overblow it. No, absolutely. Without intervention, that would have been game over. Mm -hmm. And the thing I think about that that's so important is that that hospital that closed their unit right by my house if I didn't have resources 
to drive an hour away to have a baby, would I have tried to go it alone at home? And there are women uh, who have to do that I know. because they have no other choice. That is very true. And if that's, that's, that is what we're facing across yes. this country, Rachel, as small community hospitals like ours are closing and access to transportation is non-existent in these rural communities. Right. They're delivering these type of babies and these type of experiences in their home. Right. With a husband or a family member nearby. Mm-hmm. Good luck getting a doula. Good luck getting, you know, a midwife, mm-hmm. whatever in small rural communities, that's the danger right. of hospitals closing their obstetric units. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a minute, but I want to go back to your your experience post the delivery, okay? Mm-hmm. So you go home, you have 11 and a half weeks now to really set and ponder about not, let's take the traumatic experience aside, mm-hmm. let's just talk about your overall experience in comparison to the two. You know, what did you reflect upon as your experience at Hillsdale Hospital for a rural hospital? Yeah. Because you came from a big university type setting, big, yeah. big, a, big, a health, big hospital, big health mm-hmm. to rural America health. Right. Yeah. So where we're often told in the media that it's subpar care. Right. That it is right. the reason that we're closing is because of those those things, mm-hmm. which is nothing to do why obstetrics are closing. Right. Right. Has to do with the economies and some things of that nature. And payment. And payment structure and reimbursement whole that. nine yep. yards. Mm-hmm. But you went home. You had time to think about it. And what stood out to you most about your experience in our birthing center? You know, I, (laughs) so after you have a more traumatic delivery, the baby blues tend to be more severe. And they definitely were for me this time around. Mm -hmm. And I remember, it's like, you know, you're sad about things that you'd probably normally be sad about, but you would normally be crying about them. And I was one night just sobbing because I was like, I was looking forward to that experience for so long and now it's over. Yeah. You know, but that was that's just kind of an example of I was so looking forward to it. And I'm so glad that I chose that. I was really excited about the Whirlpool tub. And Hillary knows because I was texting her like in the month or two before. And I was like, so tell me about the Whirlpool tub. How does this work? When can I get it? How long can I stay in it? Yeah, exactly. You had the best rope, too. (laughs) So, you know, that really for me, that personal touch and knowing everyone who walked into the room, even if I hadn't personally met that individual before, I knew them and they knew me because we were colleagues and to feel like you're being taken care of by, you know, the people who are part of your yeah. work family, yeah. you could say, um, is just a That's different experience. And quite frankly, some of the stuff clinically, like teaching us like how to take care of uh, Tommy circumcision was better than what we learned when we had John. And there were certain things that they did postpartum mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, this is way better than the experience I had before Birthing because classes. it felt, yeah, I mean, it just felt more personal the yeah. whole time and more about me as a patient, as a human being and an individual and not as like, this is another person who's about to have a baby. Right. So I, sometimes I'll describe the difference for people of rural health versus a, a larger system is that there are times when in a larger system, you feel like they're treating the condition Whereas here, I feel like they were treating the patient, the, patient, the person. The person as a whole. Um, yeah. And that just made the biggest difference. And even my husband, he was like, you're like a celebrity around yeah. here. And I was like, I'm not a celebrity. People just know my name because it's all over everything right. because I'm like right. the spokesperson but for the I hospital. But I often hear that even you know? people who are not associated with the hospital feel like they were the only one in that unit. Exactly. And that speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. No matter if you are a celebrity or you're not a celebrity. Right. The reality right. of it is, is that we're treating every patient every time always consistently. Mm-hmm 
family, everybody feels as if they're the specialist person, the special person mm-hmm. with the most specialized care right there at that time that delivery. And that's important. Right. I want to I want to talk a little bit, Rachel, not from a suit perspective. I'm a suit. I'm going to talk about right, business. Right. I'm also going to talk about healthcare outcomes, which I am a passion, as you know, about keeping our obstetrics. But you just went through, as a mother, a delivery. Okay. Why is high quality maternity health, from your perspective, hospital administrator and a mother, mm-hmm. so vital to rural communities today? Why is that? Well, because it's so unavailable in so many rural communities. Um, the statistics are terrifying when you think about it is 2024 and we live in America and there is a significant number of women who do not have access Mm -hmm. to deliver a baby in a hospital anywhere near them. And that is scary to think about because our um, rates of maternal health in the U.S. are not really where they should be considering um, our standing in in the world. the we rank way further behind than we should. Um, and I also feel like there is and, and this is how I feel about rural health in general, but there's just a lack of concern for rural Americans there is. There is. when it comes to our access to health care and even more so when it comes to women of childbearing age. Mm-hmm. It's just become, oh, well, you'll just have to find a place to drive to. Yeah. We'll close it today. And that's not. And then you'll you'll find some place to go. Right. And the conversation. As if that is it. It's over. Yeah. They're done. Right. They're not going to talk about access. They're not going right. to talk about how they can build a pathway for you. It's like, we'll just right. go down the road. Yeah, exactly. It's well, like, it's not oh, that you'll, easy. you'll figure it out. Right. It's not that easy, Rachel. Right. It's not. And it's just maddening to me to think that. In today's world, yeah. there are women who could have faced what I faced at home. It's yeah. scary. Because I would not it's be very here today yeah. if that had been my circumstance. And, and all around this country, Rachel and Hillary. That should be the 1800s. Well, yeah. And we're reading, you know, article after article, uh, posting after posting about small rural hospitals who are closing their obstetrics. Mm-hmm. Right. Just had it happen right down the road here mm-hmm. uh, in Coldwater, yep. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Had it happen down the road where you are, Rachel, mm-hmm. in Indiana, not too far from here, an hour. Right. It's happening across this country. Mm-hmm. But what that means is not, it's, it's while the hospital systems may be looking at it, maybe looking at it from a business decision, the impact to our mothers and to our patients and to our children, it's, it is, I can't comprehend how an administrator can set through a meeting and mm-hmm. think it's right to pull that trigger right. to say that we can close this down, mm-hmm. knowing they're the most vital to our operations and to our community. You mm-hmm. capture that patient right. at the time of birth. You can carry them throughout their entire health journey. Mm-hmm. But not only that, giving access in rural communities where there are no transportation opportunities, where there are no public uh, buses, that is crazy. My wife has me hooked. I, I despise TV. You will not find me. <laughs> you will not find me sitting at home watching television. There are two programs, Gold Rush. And then my wife has me hooked on Call the Midwife. Oh it's a name of a series. I haven't seen it, but I've been oh, thinking about watching it. I need incredible. to add it to my I hate list. TV, okay. but this it is, is wonderful. I'm watching it. And at first I despised it. Do not let her listen to this uh, podcast. But, <laughs> I'm going to send it to her. It's pretty much now I'm like, wow, that existed back then. You know, like they had those issues back then, mm-hmm. in the 1960s and the 50s, dealing with some of the issues that they dealt with. And just looking at that to where we are today and looking at the advancements we've made. Mm-hmm. I do not want to go back to the 1950s and 60s. No. And no. we are reverting back to those times right Every now across time this we country. Close an obstetrics when we unit. close an obstetrics mm-hmm. unit, we mm-hmm. are facing a, a, a situation in which we're placing mothers and children in danger. Right. Because they cannot deliver safely. 
Right. And this is very, very dangerous for our communities. Mm -hmm. The impact on the health and wellness of our communities is impacted exactly by this issue. Mm -hmm. And as hospitals across this country are looking at cost-cutting measures, this cannot be one of them. Right. This is the most vulnerable among us and those who need our care the most. I think Mm -hmm. if there's anything that was to ever close down, it has to be obstetrics last as you shut the switch off as you walk out the door because it's so vital to our community. That growth is so, Mm -hmm. so important. But Mm -hmm. the care of that mother, so we don't go back to those alleys of 1950 and the alleys, dark alleyways of the 1960s, that we give good, compassionate care to mothers Mm -hmm. who aren't delivering in a box at their home that have actually compassionate care in rural communities. Right. That is, that should be our top priority. It should be. And, you know, we really rag on systemized healthcare a lot on on this podcast because we've seen the devastating effects of a lack of local control for decision making for a rural hospital. And I will say confidently that the unit that closed in the town I live in did not need to close. No, it didn't. It was not about numbers. No, it wasn't. We'll leave it right there. We'll leave it right there. It was not. (laughs) So let's transition. Hillary, um, you know, obviously your perspective is different than Rachel's. It's different than mine. Uh, But you also have had your kids here. I have. All of them. But but I want your perspective more about Hillsdale Hospital's role in the community. Mm -hmm. As you know, we contribute quite a significant amount of money back in community benefit. You single-handedly handle a remembrance walk, which is an amazing storytelling time for patients to heal and families to heal for those who've lost their children. Um, And so you've had a unique role here, not only living here like me, but also having inundated yourself into this program. You know, how are we providing care for moms in our area where other health organizations like ours, small, big or large, doesn't matter, are not? What would you say to that? Um, well, like Rachel hit on, we are the lone medical facility within, I mean, 60 miles of us. I didn't realize until I read your notes before this, yeah. uh, before recording this, that it that yeah. 60 miles is yes. our new radius. It is. Yes. That's 60, scary. That's an hour. Yeah, Think of what can right. happen in an hour. And that's an hour on back roads, because I'll tell you, I take the back roads from my house to here and it's 51 miles <laughs> and it takes an hour and like a couple minutes, depending on the my lead foot that day (laughs) (laughs) or the roads that's not the snow the snow that we have now so so much can happen in those 60 miles or an Mm -hmm. hour um so just being a strong standing facility Mm -hmm. is it's important it just as you guys touched on um it's our duty to the community to Mm -hmm. be here and be strong um, and keep our doors open Mm -hmm. um and i think that's totally made possible just because of our providers and our staff and their diligence to what they're doing Mm -hmm. constantly looking for ways to grow constantly looking for new ways to provide care um, squeezing patients in whenever they can doing telehealth visits doing Mm -hmm. whatever they can to reach those patients and we've built a robust team we have think about what you've been able to do with your nurses but what we've been able to do with providers um, you know, we started here, I started here with one provider, Dr. Bediaco. Uh, at that time, there was another provider in his office that was transitioning out. We had one. We reached out, you know, to Brian Sinisco. Um, we we struck a deal, uh, brought him here, and um, that started really the revolution of a new program mm-hmm. for our community. Mm-hmm. Then we brought Dr. Odell, then Dr. Spencer, Spencer. and then some uh, midwives. Mm-hmm. And it's been really a very very good program for us. And we're getting back to the days where we once were over 400 deliveries. Mm-hmm. And that's close. rare, you know, yeah. and I, I, I just, again, I shudder to think what would happen to these patients. You're telling right. me an hour away, what happens to an abruption? 
What happens to someone, you know, as well as I do, that Dr. Adele not too long ago delivered a baby in our parking lot? Mm -hmm. Um, Where would that baby be delivered? And who would deliver that baby? Yeah. Is and, it going to be the TV repairman? Oh, Is it going to be the gas station attendant? Honestly, right? Yeah. you hear That's those scary. horror stories across this country. And this is one of the things that I think if Congress is going to act, we've got to talk about payment reform for patients in rural communities in obstetrics. Here's why. Medicaid does not cover the cost for us to do business. Right. But this is the largest portion of our population. You know that. Absolutely. And it's not, we don't have a bunch of uh, folks here who are on commercial insurance. You have a lot of Medicaid. And that Medicaid doesn't cover the cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, hospitals have to take the loss in obstetrics. They have to to look at another program to cover that loss. And if those other programs are losing because of high Medicaid, they've got to make some decisions. Mm And it's very difficult. You have to pay providers. You have to make sure that they have 24-7 call. You mm-hmm. have to ensure that you have a nice obstetrics unit. You have to make sure that you have trained nurses. It's a very difficult uh, situation. But at the end of the day, what I'm getting back to is that we have an amazing team. We do. Both we do. the communication between your obstetric unit and the office. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. I think that's the most important, right? Because you get the patient passed off to you after they've had months of working with that patient. And there are some cases, though, that you would admit patients still walking in the door. Without any prenatal care, is that correct? Yeah, all the time. That's rural America. All the time, that is rural America. So consider what would happen if that patient who had never had Mm -hmm. care, who's walking through that door, never had a vitamin, never had a checkup, which we experience, you realize that. Oh, we do on a weekly, monthly basis. On a weekly, monthly basis. And just imagine if your community hospital wasn't here. I, I, Again, I just shudder to think about what would happen. Mm Mm-hmm. It's scary to think of even the things in nearby towns, what's going to happen in their ERs. That's right. What they're going to see. What they're going to What experience. they're going to deal with. It's uh, it's unfathomable. It right, is. right. So, Hillary, let's um, kind of wrap this up by talking about some of the great things that you and your team uh, have been doing to ensure that we have great care here and that also other small independent hospitals can do to help maintain and continue providing those birthing services because a lot of times the OBs that close are two, three years after a rural hospital gets purchased by a system. Um, Sometimes it's faster than that. But independent hospitals also struggle um, to keep those open. So um, what are some of the things that you have been able to do? Let's say say JJ was more um, financially minded when it came to the birthing center and whether or not we should keep that service line. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that you've done create a quality argument for keeping it, right? So Absolutely. what are what are some of the things that you've done that other hospitals can do to advocate for not only do we need this, but also we're the best at what we do? Yeah, so resources are huge, obviously, in a rural community, the lack of them. So mm-hmm. linking arms with everyone that you can in the community, the organizations and the businesses that are at our fingertips mm-hmm. um, is huge. It is. It's, like I said, it's at our fingertips. So why not use it? Yeah. Um, and then just listening to the patients. What do they say they need? Mm-hmm. What, are the, what are their suggestions? Right. And then taking that and running with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had several grant opportunities in the last year seeking that, advocating for that, to bring those resources to the community, to those patients, so Mm -hmm. they do have what they need. Mm -hmm. 
Hillary is being uh, very humble, but when very she says modest. we've had grant opportunities. Yeah, she's a Hillary for wrote and secured yes. grants <laughs> and is now implementing the programs that these when grants are no one else wanted to implement it. Yes, yes exactly. No. So but that, that uh, hats off to you for absolutely. that. Well, thank you. Thank giving, you. Giving that care to our community is your passion. We can see it. Hillary, we could talk for hours. Uh, Rachel and I, this is something that we're on a soapbox about, mm-hmm. which will continue across this uh, country as we speak at seminars and summits and talk about why rural health is so important to the health and wellness of our community. Um, I want to thank you for your contributions to our organization, uh, contributions to our community, uh, but more just the connections that you make to mothers like Rachel and uh, for being the person that you are to ensure that high-quality care can exist in rural communities like ours. It's often a misnomer. Uh, when people assume because smaller, you're going to be inferior or that you're not going to have as good as. I'm going to tell you right now, you just heard from Rachel. She's been at the big places and we're far better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to paraphrase her words, but our yeah. our environment and our care is superior over those who brag about being the best in the business. And so we've got to keep that alive. And in order to do that, you know, this is a call to action for everyone to support your obstetrics, to ensure that you're speaking to your elected officials about the importance of providing support. Uh, payment reform is something Rachel and I are going to really focus on in 2024 mm-hmm. uh, as we talk uh, to various legislators about this need uh, to keep obstetrics open, to ensure that babies are born and not you know, face any traumatic entry into this world, including the mothers who could mm-hmm. risk their life. Uh, how awful. Even one life lost. Is one, one too, too many. many. One too many. So thank you for the work that you've been doing. You did very well today. Uh, you outlined for us the most important and critical aspects of delivery, delivery, which is strictly looking at it from a human side of taking care of our patients. And I Absolutely. thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Real Health Rising. Now, before we close, we'd love to do a fun segment with each of our guests. Uh, we want to know what is your most unique. Now you've been here all your life. You're from Osseo, okay? <laughs> Osseo, Michigan. I can't say anymore. But we want to know what is your most unique rural experience, or something that is a favorite memory of yours that's unique to rural life that our listener who may be in a metropolitan area right now has no experience in rural life. You've had all your experience. Give us that. It doesn't even have to be healthcare related. Goodness. Tell us about that experience. I mean, I could give you several that include animals and yes, we've heard a lot of those. Of right. Um, I am going to give my experience based on um, my position here at the hospital. Um, it's one that it's a memory I would say near and dear to my heart, um, and it shows the dedication of our staff and the mm-hmm. true compassion that our nurses in a small facility have. Um, and there's a nurse that works with us, and her name's Gloria Groshko. Oh yeah, everyone knows Gloria. Yeah, everybody knows um, Gloria. Been here. 50 years. Yes. So when I first met Gloria, she went on and on about a little story in the middle of winter about a little baby being born who was five pounds. It was a snowstorm. There was a 10 pounder in the nursery. It could have eaten this baby alive. (laughs) And that little five pounder was me. Oh, is that right? Wow. She delivered, well, she was the nurse who helped deliver me with my mom. And then here 24 plus years later, she was here to Get deliver my three little out girls. Of here. Wow. Okay, I just got chills. Now yes, that it is gives rule. me goosebumps every that time. Is That's rule. amazing. So, so my wife is telling me now that she's back working she for is you. Back. That uh, she's taking care of mother so babies that she's delivered, she's mm-hmm. now delivering their babies. Their babies. Yes. I said that just tells us one thing, dear. 
we're getting old. That's all it tells me. <laughs> and, and that generational um, relationship yeah. is so important. It's amazing. You know, to mm-hmm. see that happen and, you know, for the patients to walk in and go, oh my, you delivered me. And they share you the know? pictures of Gloria giving their, yes. the mom their first yes. bath. Yes. Isn't that oh, amazing? Yeah. That's so it's cool. Amazing. How awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your experiences yes. today and for the leadership uh, and for all the hard work that you do for our moms and our babies. We really appreciate it. Thank so you. thanks for joining us. Thank you. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit RuralHealthRising.com.